0: If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha Hashavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again, share some ideas, spend some time together. Talk about those areas of life that are important, particularly now when we are surrounded by such concerns outside our homes. The epidemic is in a terrible, terrible rising stage here in Chauteng, where we live. And it's important that each and every one of us do whatever we can to ensure our safety, our health, ourselves and those of others as well. can't emphasize enough how important it is right now to take extraordinary care, to do whatever is necessary in order to protect the safety of ourselves, our families, our community, our country. It's a very special week that we're in. After all, yesterday was the 17th of Tammuz, a fast day, when we had to commemorate some sad moments in Jewish history when the Jewish people behaved badly, our enemies struck, Jerusalem was breached in three weeks' time. We will commemorate B'av. Mashiach should come and we won't have to commemorate Tisha B'Av. And as our sages tell us, may these days be transformed into days of great festivity and joy. Simcha and Yontif, days of joy and festivity. This is an important time. It's called Bein HaMitzurim, the three weeks between the tragedies, the tragedy that we spoke about while we commemorated yesterday, the 17th of Tammuz, when we fasted all day, culminating in three weeks' time with Tisha B'ova, a 24-hour fast. And it's a time that we think about the destruction of our temple. Our destruction of our temple was not only a sad moment in the sense that our spiritual core, the heart of the Jewish people, was burned to the ground, well, almost burned to the ground, but even more so, it's a time that we were sent into exile, and not only the exile of Babylon and Rome, but the exile of the entire world, when the world entered a state of darkness, when the temple was standing, we saw revealed miracles. When the temple was standing, we recognized the presence of God. When the temple was standing, we knew, everyone knew that Jerusalem, Temple Mount, the temple on the Temple Mount, this is the center of the world. And from that place, all prayers, all holiness emanates and elevates the highest levels. With the destruction, we entered into a state of galut, exile. Exile in the truest sense of the word, not only geographic exile driven from our home into strange and very often hostile lands, but exile within our hearts, within our minds, within our bodies and souls. Everything went into exile. And although the previous Rebbe once told us that when the Jews went into exile, only their bodies went into exile, not their souls this is something which is important for us to understand that notwithstanding the fact that we can be in the bitterest of goals in the bitterest of exiles there is that powerful passionate flame within us that flame of Yiddishkeit that keeps us going individually and collectively as a people I've often spoken about how the exiles throughout history unfortunately we're so aggressive, so hostile, so destructive, really destroying the body and much of the spirit of the Jewish people. But nonetheless, we grow, we thrive. Not only strive, but actually thrive and become a bigger and better people. And this is why the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Saint Memory told us that when we enter the three weeks, we should begin studying those parts of the Torah The parts of the Torah that speak about the temple, the building of the temple, the building of the temple, as our prophet taught, the prophet Ezekiel, the building of the temple as we see in the Mishnah, and also the laws contained within the Rambam, the laws pertaining to the building of the third temple. Maimonides tells us, Rambam tells us in no uncertain terms that when Mashiach comes, as we know, one of the primary objects, things that he will have to do is to rebuild the temple. And Maimonides tells us in great detail in his Book of Laws, in his Yad, how, in fact, this will be done. And he says when the temple will be rebuilt, this is his opening, his opening statement, his opening paragraph in Hilkas Beis Abkhira, that it should be a place where the pilgrimage three times a year can take place, where the offerings on the altar can be brought, etc., etc. And while, of course, he says the Mishkan, the tabernacle that was built by Moshe in the wilderness, is told to us in great detail in the Torah, this was only a temporary state. And ultimately, the construction of the Beis HaMikdash on the Temple Mount that King David had prepared and King Solomon actually built, this was the new and permanent place of the holy area. And this is why we have to study these laws, not only to remember the past or perhaps prepare for the future, but also, as our sages tell us, something which is very important. Torah is exceptionally powerful. Not only does it unite the Jewish people, far beyond that, it creates a spiritual reality. When we study Torah, that which we study actually becomes real at a certain level. When we study the laws of rebuilding the Beth mikdash the holy temple, this in itself creates the reality of the temple being built. And while, of course, it's something that we cannot see, it's something which is not visible to the human and simple eye, it is there nonetheless. As we've often spoken about, just because we don't see something doesn't deny its reality and this is true in every single area scientifically as well we don't see molecules <laughs> we don't see atoms yet they are there and functioning in a powerful and precise manner it's there even though we don't see it we see a solid block of wood that block of wood is actually a mess of moving atoms and molecules we don't see it we some, some we see something firm and hard and yet we don't see the inner reality similarly and far beyond that, when we study Torah, the words that we say, the words that come out of our mouths when we study the Torah, they create a reality. The previous Rebbe, when he was imprisoned, and we celebrated his liberation last week, the 12th of Tammuz, the previous Rebbe said that by studying the laws that were not permitted to him, there is no mezuzah. On a prison door, of course. But by studying the laws of mezuzah mentally, he created the spiritual reality of a mezuzah. And this is so much more when we study the laws of building the Beis HaMikdash. Each object, each part of the structure, how it was done, how it was prepared, what happened. All of these things and more create realities. And this is why it's important for each and every one of us to study some aspect of rebuilding the temple. If you have access to the Rambam, of course, study the Rambam. It's available in English as well. Go to Chabad.org. And you will find all these things. Some people want to study the prophet Ezekiel, where in glorious detail he describes the magnificent structure that will be rebuilt Different. Than the Temple of Solomon, much bigger, much more detail is told to us from a spiritual vision that he had and shared with us, the Jewish people, that three weeks, while, of course, it is a time of semi-mourning and all sorts of restriction, even that the music that you'll hear on this program is a cappella. We don't listen to music with musical instruments. Nonetheless, although a time of mourning, we have the opportunity of doing something positive, studying the laws of the Bet HaMikdash. This creates the reality. It brings it in to the dimension in which we live. And may Hashem help us that it becomes revealed to us in the very, very near future. But more of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska only on 101.9 High FM. We were just speaking about the concept of studying Torah in a particular sort of way which makes it real. Because Torah has a divine energy, the very words of Torah, the very language of Torah. Sometimes we think we read an interesting story, but in actual fact, these are the words of God transcribed by none other than Moshe. And what he is telling us is not only a historical story with certain Lessons that we can learn from it. This is the word of Hashem. And when we study the Torah, when we read the Torah properly, what an actual fact is happening, we are creating a reality of Torah energy, of this infinite power within ourselves. Not only intellectually that we receive certain information, not only emotionally that we are inspired, but actually creating a reality of Torah at a certain level, a structure of Torah that is built by the words that we use. And this is why, when we take a look at this week's Parsha, it's a fascinating story. A story that at immediate outlook tells us the greatness of the individual after which this Parsha is named, none other than Pinchas. Who was Pinchas? Pinchas was actually a grandson of Aaron. He wasn't a Kohen at the time because he was born after Aaron. Had been appointed as the Aaron and his sons, Eliezer, the father of Pinchas, were already appointed Kohanim and only their children born thereafter received in hereditary fashion the title of, of, uh, of being a priest. But we're talking about the idea of creating a reality by studying Torah and looking at the parsha of this week, Pinchas. What did Pinchas do? At the end of last week's Parsha, we read about how Bilam, despite his best efforts of trying to curse the Jewish people, couldn't curse the Jewish people. Those terrible curses were transformed into the most eloquent and the most powerful descriptions of greatness of the Jewish people. But at the end, Bilam advises Balak, and he says, even though we can't physically destroy this people, they are protected by God even though I can't even spiritually curse these people because they have divine protection. However, listen to me, Bullock. if you want to destroy the Jewish people, there is only one way to destroy them, and that's by allowing themselves to destroy themselves. When they behave in a negative way and they remove divine protection because God becomes angry with them, that is the time that the Jewish people will, in fact, be destroyed by none other than God himself. And so he advises Bullock to open the doors to his country, and allow for the Jewish people to intermingle with his own. And the Jewish people begin to behave in terrible fashion. In fact, Zimri, the prince, the leader of the tribe of Shimon, publicly behaves in the most terrible way by acting immorally with one of the princesses of Midyam. And what happens? A plague breaks out. Yes, the advice of Bilam was spot on. Let the Jewish people behave negatively and God himself will deal with the Jewish people. And he sees this plague and he comes running to Moshe and says, Moshe, haven't we learned if people behave in this sort of way drastic action has to be done? And what does Moshe say to Pinchas? You're right, let's do it. No. He turns to Pinchas and he says something which is expressed in Aramaic language in Rashi, as our sages say. He says, Let the reader of the letter become the individual who acts. In other words, what he says to Pinchas, you are so passionate about this, you are so inspired, you do what has to be done. It wasn't that Moshe was afraid to do that. But Moshe recognized that this was the moment of greatness for Pinchas. Pinchas was now going to act in a way which was not only heroic, not only breaking out of his rational and normal healthy restrictions. This was the moment for Pinchas to become the great individual that he was. And this is so true in life as well. There are moments when we see something, And we are not happy with what we see. And we turn to the leaders, and we turn to those older, whether chronologically or otherwise, and we say to them, can't you see there is something wrong? Perhaps that in itself is an indication that we ourselves have to do something at a given moment. What it tells us is, and this is a slogan today, yesterday, very, very popular. If you see something, say something. If you see something, do something. Very often when we see negativity, it's up to us and act. Not every single time. Of course not. Yes, there are moments of zealousness. There are moments when we stand up and overcome whatever restriction in life that we are. We might be withdrawn. We might be shy. We might, well, feel false humility. But the moment itself comes and calls us to do something, it doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be way beyond the normal accepted behavior of people, but it's something which, as far as we are concerned, is heroic. This is the story of Pinchas. Pinchas stands up from among the nation and puts an end to the plague. And while, of course, the tribe of Shimon are not very happy with what he's done, he's actually killed their leader. And they turn on him. And they try to undermine the sincerity of his behavior. They say that he is a naturally cruel person. He was driven by false religious well judgmentalism. Why did he have to do something? Moses is standing there and didn't do anything. This young upstart must come and do something. This is the story of Pinchas. And what does God say? And this is how our parsha opens up. Our parsha opens up with God saying, Pinchas ben Elazar, he is the one who's calmed me down. He has caused me to stop the plague. He has brought peace, and this is why I am giving him my covenant of peace. My covenant, by giving him the title of priesthood. And what is a priest? As we're told about Aaron... The first high priest, Shalom, Shalom. He was a man who loved peace and pursued peace. You are accusing him of being a cruel nature. You are telling people that Pinchas behaved because he had a faulty personality. Nothing could be further from the truth. He was driven by a purity. He was driven by an honesty. He was driven by a sincere desire to do the right thing in the eyes of God. He was driven by a sincere desire to stop the plague. That was destroying the Jewish people. He was driven by a tremendous need to indicate that essentially the Jewish people are a far more powerfully spiritual and moral people than the immediate behavior that you're seeing right now. Even Bilam himself, how does he describe the Jewish people? Matovu Ohalecha Yaakov. How beautiful are your tents, your homes, your family, your life, your sense of modesty, your sense of morality. This is the greatness of our people. And when that begins to crumble, Pinchas was driven to a point of something must be done, and he stood up. He stood up from among all the other people. He was a young man. And yet This young man did something which was so courageous, that was so powerful, that it actually transformed the negativity of the moment, the punishment, into something that came to an end from here on in would be blessing. And beyond that, of course, he rose to a level of incredible greatness. He was given the impossible gift, something you can never really earn or work for. He became a Kohen. He became a priest. And our Kabbalistic sages and our Talmudic sages tell us that Pinchas had the soul of Eliyahu, Elijah, the prophet, Elijah, the prophet that will herald the coming of Mashiach, Elijah, the prophet that visits every Jewish home at the seder on Pesach night, Elijah, the prophet that attends every single brit, every single circumcision of every boy from beginning of time until. Well, the end of time. He is there. He is present. Pinchas had that greatness. Pinchas had that incredible sense of spiritual devotion, the recognition that each and every single child at the moment of circumcision becomes transformed into a greater person, not only a physical creature, but one who has stamped upon his body the spirituality of godliness, time of freedom we speak about, Eliyahu Anobi who comes to every single Seder. Mashiach, the coming of Mashiach will be heralded. This is what Pinchas accomplished. And how did he accomplish it? He accomplished it by recognizing that this was the moment for him to rise. The old story, cometh the moment, cometh the man. And as I said before, it doesn't need to be dramatic like the story of Pinchas. It doesn't have to be that great. It It doesn't have to be that incredibly powerful. It can be a simple act, but an act that makes me go out of my comfort zone. And this is something which we talk about again and again and again. The need from time to time to change myself, to remove myself from the restrictions and the limitations and the negativity of my comfort zone. Oh, it might be a wonderful and even spiritual comfort zone but it's something which doesn't allow me to move forward and therefore doesn't allow me to actually know myself as I should and to express from within myself my potential. Very often when we are in a comfort zone, we simply amble along, we simply sail along, we go along, and this is the beginning and this is the end. But when we rise to a challenge, when we recognize that there is a moment there that is able to draw out from me, a different potential, a different type of greatness that is hidden very often deep within my spirit, deep within my soul, I change. Not only do I change, I think differently. My whole perspective shifts. I begin to see things in a far greater and a far better way. And throughout the Parsha, this is what we see. What do we talk about in the Parsha? How to divide the land for the Jewish people when they come into the Holy Land. This was a moment of true liberation. This was a moment of greatness, the Jewish people coming into the land, and every single piece of that land was connected to each and every single Jew from the time they left Egypt until the end of time. Each and every single Jew has a portion in that land. And that portion in that land means that I have to connect with something that draws out from me a far greater dimension of greatness. This is the story of Pinchas. The women of Tzalafchad, they come running to Moshe, why should we be denied? Our father had no male offspring, and we should be the ones taking possession of the land. Moshe turns to God and he says, yes, those women are right. In fact, their laws of inheritance were changed in order to accommodate the daughters of Talab. This is what Pinchas is all about. Pinchas means looking for opportunities where we can achieve greatness. Greatness is a relative term. It doesn't mean that I have to change the world. It doesn't mean that I have to personally turn over the world. It means that I, in relationship to myself, must do something, something great, something that changes me and the environment, more of that sort. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the heroic act of Pinchas and how he transformed from, well, an ordinary person to become a Kohen. He stopped the plague. He uplifted the moral standards of the Jewish people. God says, I am going to give him my covenant of shalom, my covenant of wholeness, completeness, and peace. I'm going to give him something extraordinary, because he behaved in extraordinary. But how we come to that point, I will discuss in a moment after this announcement. We're talking about Pinchas, we're talking about greatness, the entire, sedra We speak about the transition of the Jewish people from the wilderness into the promised land, and how they're going to divide the land so that each and every single individual has his or her particular area of the Holy Land which connects with him, which brings out deeper spiritual dimensions from each and every one of us. We're talking about doing extraordinary things. And one of the extraordinary aspects of this week's Parsha is the transmission, the transition of power from Moshe to Joshua. Joshua, of course, is going to become the new leader. He is going to replace Moshe. He is going to succeed Moshe. And there's a whole process where Moshe has to stand and do something physical to transfer the power of leadership from himself to Joshua. Joshua now has to undertake a tremendous responsibility, as we've seen in the life of Moshe, and will continue to see until the end of Deuteronomy. Moshe's job was extremely difficult, protecting the Jewish people, guiding the Jewish people, leading the Jewish people, uplifting the Jewish people, not only as a people, but how each and every single individual was able to reach, taught how to achieve the realization, the expression of potential. And now comes the moment where the next stage in leadership is coming, and that will be with Joshua, who will actually lead the Jewish people into the promised land, fight the battles, divide the land, and take possession of the land as promised to our patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, talking about that, It brings to mind something else that is so special this week. Today, today, we started the 40th cycle of studying the Rambam. The 14 books of the Yad a tremendous, tremendous effort where Rambam wrote each and every single law. From faith at the beginning until the coming of Mashiach at the end. From beginning to end, he covers each and every single of the 613 laws. And 40 years ago, the Rebbe instructed us to start learning. There is the single year where we learn three chapters a day. We finish the entire 14 books in one year. There's one chapter a day, which takes three years. And then there's the mitzvah of the day that we can finish every single year, knowing the mitzvah of the day. But as the Hagdama, the introduction to the book of Yad HaKazakah, Rambam writes something incredibly powerful, incredibly interesting. He actually writes down the name of each and every single individual that received the, well, from Moshe who received the Torah from God and passed it on to Joshua, as we read in the opening Mishnah of Pirkei Avot, And every successive generation and leader and teacher and rabbi received from the one before. And this chronological order is not simply there to tell us who are the great people, but to tell us that the succession of Torah is absolutely authentic. It was passed on from one great person to the other, the complete Torah. And it starts with none other than Moshe and Rambam goes through every single name until he comes to the end of the Talmudic period when everything was written down. Now, this is something which is incredible. People often think, where did the Torah come from? Rambam tells us this is where it came from. Moshe received the Torah at Sinai. He received the Torah from God himself. And he taught it to Joshua. And Joshua to the elders, etc, 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 coming down to the very end of the Talmudic period, after which of course we know the history quite well, and from the Rambam to our days, we can also enumerate the individuals who were given the Torah in every single generation. What does Rambam say? there came a time came a time when the Jewish people were dispersed throughout the world's distant islands, we know how big the world is, and we know how far people can and were this first. And Rambam said, now came the time to write it all down in one book. That is the book of the Rambam. And it's the story of this week's Parsha, the story of Moshe handing over leadership to Joshua. Now, that is a heroic act. First of all, to hand over leadership is a heroic act. And second of all, to receive leadership is a heroic act. And this is what Rambam says, the heroic act went on and on, and every single 40 generations were one received from the other, and we know their names, and we know stories about their lives. These were real individuals who were absolutely dedicated to receive from the previous generation, from the previous teachers, the Torah, and then to pass it on to the next generation with authenticity and totality. And this is something which is so important for us to understand, the power of Torah. And this is why each and every single day we study the Rambam, this particular book, because it tells us. It tells us not only the law. It tells us this is the law received by Moshe at Sinai, handed down by great and people, powerful people, powerful intellectually and spiritually, and people who were concerned not only with taking from the past, the passing on to the future, and this should be our incredible duty as well, to receive the Torah on a daily basis, and to pass it on to future generations, through our children, through our friends, through our communities. This is the Parsha of Pinchas. This is how we begin the study of Rambam today, a heroic act. So when over Shabbos you spend some time looking at the Parsha, try to read the laws pertaining to the rebuilding of the temple, as mentioned earlier on. Try to read something of the Rambam on a daily basis. It will bring purpose and joy and spiritual light into your lives. This is something which is important for you to understand, to take the Torah, make it real, make it personal. Have a good Shabbos.